Again, it is uh, truly good to see everyone this morning, but I do know that God has a great desire this morning to penetrate deeply into our hearts. The message that God has prepared this morning is one that sometimes when I get hungry, spiritually hungry, God will take me to places and the minute that I'm fed, I know that it was of God. Something will be stirring in me and something will, I'll recognize that there's a a need within my life and I'll, I'll listen to something and in that moment that I hear the truth, I know that it filled me. And I often know in those same ways as it was yesterday that what he brought to me to feed me was designed to also feed you. I typically don't give you the title of the messages, but I will share this one this morning. Warrior or worrier? Are you a warrior or are you a worrier? And I want to talk about that this morning. If you would go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is one of the most familiar stories in the Bible. Truly uh, taught many, many times and in many, many ways. 1 Samuel 17, I'll begin reading with verse 23, a story that we have taught and been taught from vacation Bible school and Sunday school and every class since. Verse 23, and as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Goth. Goliath by name out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words. And David heard them and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man fled from him and they were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that is coming up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up and it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? I want to tell you, I use that verse often. That is a life-changing verse. Who is this enemy? Who is this giant that I'm facing in my life that dares come against the army of the living God? Isn't it amazing that this one man, David, had that perspective? Verse 27, and the people answered him after this manner, saying, so shall it be done to the man that kills him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, why comest thou down hither, and with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of thy heart, for thou art come down that you might see the battle. And David says, what have I done now? That's what a little brother says a lot. What have I done now? How many of you here are little brothers who are youngest in the family? Man, I'll tell you, this is your phrase right here. What have I done? I would just stand in here. How many of you had an older brother that made you eat lemons so that you could get a quarter to go swimming? Yeah, there's a few of us. Anything for a quarter. And David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard, which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for thou art but a youth and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him, 
And I smote him and I delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with you. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put on a helmet of brass upon his head, and he armed him with a coat of maul. And David girded his sword about his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag with which he had, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Lord, let us in this moment recognize something powerful within this scripture. David, the most unlikely. David, the one who was the youngest, the one who was dismissed, the one who no one would have ever imagined is now this David standing among this army and recognizing the enemy for who he was. But let us see early and throughout this message that even though David saw Goliath, he saw the giant that was in front of him. And some some people in this room have giants that are standing in front of them today have broken hearts and broken lives, have addictions and struggles that they can't seem to break. They have giants in their story and they feel powerless against them. I pray, Lord, in this moment that they would recognize that here, even the most unlikely, not because he knew the lion nor the bear, nor that he knew Goliath, but that he knew you. He knew who you, who you were. He knows who you are. And I pray, Lord, this morning that that truth would settle over this congregation. And we would see it, Lord, within this message that you have given. So let us approach this message reverently, but let us anticipate your power. Let us anticipate that you're entering into those lives to begin even now to defeat the giants that have stood there for way too long. Brokenness, relationships, bitterness that has been around for years, resentment that has just been held and held and held. Lord, I pray this morning that this would be the day of freedom and that anybody who's standing and trying to justify that bitterness, trying to defend that resentment would be broken this morning so that they can be free because you love them, because you love us. Let that love penetrate this story. It's what makes all the difference in Jesus' name. Amen. In this passage, we get a rare, rare glimpse of the heart of an amazing and true warrior. And I know this morning, and you know this to be true as well, that many of you in here pursuing God's identity for you have been called into this warrior role. You know that you're a warrior. You know it because it's your name, your identity that God has spoken over you. But what I need this morning is for every one of us to recognize that there's not a single person in here that hasn't been called into the battle. Every one of us warriors in one way or the other, the battles may look different, but there's not anyone in here that's not a warrior. And I want to tell you how we know, because Satan is willing to come against every one of us. Why would he come against us if we weren't, if we didn't have an important part in this battle against him? We can tell by the resistance that he, that God has a plan for us and that we are called to be warriors. But I want to tell you, most of us have fallen into the role of warrior because we don't understand what it means to have the heart of a warrior. 
So my hope this morning is that each of us will see the certainty that we're all called into battle, that each person is a warrior. So I want to look at this passage again, or parts of it, and I want us to be prepared for the battle that's in our own story. Let's begin here. I've got four things I want to share about a warrior, and I want to get through them as quickly as I can. Warriors will live seeking the battle. You will not be able to keep a warrior off of the battlefield. Listen to this scripture again. And David spake to the men that said to him, saying, What shall be done to the man that kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that kills him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto them, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why comest thou down hither? Why have you left a few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the naughtiness of your heart, for you are come down that you might see the battle. And David says, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? What was happening in the heart of David? What happened when he heard the words of the Philistine? What happened when he heard the words of Goliath? The minute that he heard someone that would stand and defy and stand against the God that he knew, the God that he loved. He wasn't necessarily ready to just fight. He was eager to hit the battlefield. What was happening to the rest of the men? Those soldiers that had been well prepared, what was happening to the rest of them? They were terrified. And here's the warrior. Here's the one that saw the battle and said to his brother, is there not a cause? Is there not a reason for me to be here? And I want to tell you, Ladies and gentlemen, as we sit here today, we would have to ask ourselves this question in a world where it seems like that evil is winning. Is there not a cause for warriors to rise? I mean, it looks like we're losing ground every day. I'm so grateful that we have the book of Revelation because we know at the end we win. But I want to tell you today, it feels like that we're losing ground. It's not even difficult to find out why. The church has lost its way. The church has lost its purpose. We don't know what we're here for anymore. But I want to tell you that when we see this great cause, what happens to the warrior? Do we tremble and do we say, well, that's somebody else's responsibility? Or does it seem like it's so overwhelming that we don't want to stand in the battle? Well, I want to tell you, if you're sitting here today as a believer who knows Jesus Christ and has him in your heart, I want to tell you that somewhere deep inside you, there is that seed of a warrior that's wanting to grow and wanting to sprout and anxiously waiting for you to hit the battlefield. That wasn't many amens. David was ready. Are you? Or am I? Is, are we ready? He wasn't getting ready. He wasn't being prepared he wasn't training to be ready. He didn't have to have more experience on his side. He was ready. The battle for him was great and a desired place. Why? Why would anybody have that desire to run into battle when everybody else is terrified, when everybody else sees the giant? Well, of the next three things that I cover, I want to tell you, if your heart has these three things, you will be ready. If it's absent these you will be a warrior and be like the rest of the army. Here's the first one. Warriors such as this cannot live outside in. Warriors like this must live from the inside out. You cannot be this kind of warrior if you live outside in. Those who are ready to run into battle have to live from the inside out. 
What was David telling them? What did the scripture say? What did he tell them when Saul said, you can't go, you're too young? What did David rehearse before Saul? He tells him, he tells him about the lion. He tells him about the bear. He tells him about what happened and how God had done something for him. I want to tell you, when David was out there with that lion and the bear, when those victories came and he knew that it was God, David knew in that moment, he didn't wonder anymore, he knew that what had been discovered inside him was greater than anything that could come against him. David found something inside himself that says, I don't care whatever the, the external circumstance is, that external circumstance will never be bigger than what I've discovered inside me. And I want to tell you, you'll never be a warrior if the external stays bigger than the internal. Because if you're going to war, something internal has got to become bigger than the external. And I want to tell you, there's so many in the, in the Christian church who've come to the place in their life where they dismiss the possibility that they are designed to go to war. Some of you are sitting here this morning. You, it's, it's kind of a nice message for someone else. Well, I want to tell you, this is what I prayed early, that God would penetrate that heart that is dismissive this morning. And they would recognize that without you, the army is not complete. Without you, the army will not accomplish all that was designed in the heart of God. David in this moment knew something that was great inside him. Warriors must discover and be confident how to draw from the certainty of the inner to every time overcome the outer. How are most of us controlled? How are most of our lives shaped? By the outer, by the external things. Very few believers today are actually settled within themselves because of what they know happens inside them. So as believers, it should, and I know this is a big statement and I'm saying it in the, in the purest way, I'm honest about it. For us as believers who have truly experienced God, not just in concept, but for those of us who are believers who have experienced the love of God, the joy of God, the salvation of God, the peace of God, the goodness of God, the kindness of God, the mercy of God. For those of us who have experienced him, it should not matter what external realities are present. If it's chaos or if it's adverse or troubling or frustrating. Warriors live in a state of untroubled calm, untroubled peace. That's hard to say. I want to tell you, I was sitting at my desk when I got a phone call from Kate several years ago now. And there's someone in there with me. I picked it up and I, I could tell when, by her voice on the other line that something was difficult and wrong. And she said, Dad, I just left the doctor and they found a mass. I want to tell you, I didn't feel like much of a warrior in that moment. My heart was broken. But you know what God did? He caused the warriors around me to rise. And people would come and say, by prophecy, by truth, by visions, by revelation, we have seen Kate and we saw her with children. Because in the moment when I couldn't go to war, God called the warriors and fought for me. Some days the trouble seems so, so severe that we don't have the strength, but he didn't ask me to do this alone. He didn't ask me to be the only one. 
He asked me to be a part of this army, to be a part of this family, so that in the moment when I didn't have it, you had it, and you rose in strength, and you rose in power, and you begin to explain those things that you would see. Jay rose in that moment and saw what God was showing him. And I want to tell you that, it, I can, but I can say it with all honesty. As believers, it shouldn't matter what external realities are present because we don't function from the outside in. We function from the strength of the inside, that which has been built into the inner man, that which is God has resolved in us. We come from there, and I don't care what the situation is or the circumstances are, that which is in me is greater than that which is out. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I either believe it and trust it as a warrior or I don't. What is the, that internal reality that David had to settle to make him completely confident that he could go into battle like this? What was that internal question, the internal reality that he had to find? It won't be discovered in the battle. It had to be discovered before. It had to be discovered in the stillness and not in the battle. It must be, as we've talked about here, it must be discovered in intimacy, the place where faith grows. According to Isaiah 30, it says, in quietness and in confidence, you shall find your strength. That complete internal question that David found the answer to was, I am completely confident in him. Resolved, settled. I am completely confident in him. You will not go to battle. You will not enter the, the war you won't step onto the battleground if that's not settled in you. If you're not completely confident in his ability to keep you, his ability to save you, to strengthen you, to give you peace, if you're not confident in him totally, you will never hit the battlefield because you will always wonder. You'll move with hesitation. You'll move with fear. You'll move with doubt. Not, not certain that you can enter into the battle because you're not sure of the one who's promised that he would keep you there. What was creating the difference between David and those other men? David had experienced God. He knew him. Something deep inside him had been resolved and he knew that that which was in him was greater than anything that could come against him. The next thing that you'll have to have to enter the battlefield and to be a warrior is to recognize that God is completely determined to remove your sense of independence. He will not let that stand. As much as we teach and as much as we know the value of letting someone become independent in their life so that they're making their own decisions, finding their own values and moral compass to find their own identity, God will work diligently to never let you function independently. Now, that's strange for us in, in a nation of people who, are, who have been taught about freedom and independence. But in verse 37 of that same scripture, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistines. What does God have to establish in us? That we are totally dependent on him. Your independence, good as it makes you a good citizen and a good young man or a good young woman, that independence that we learn from has to yield to the reality that God wants us to be dependent on him because it's necessary that I'm dependent, that Danny's dependent, that Shorty's dependent, that Jay's dependent, that Max is dependent on exactly the same God because that's the only way to create an army. What happens in military boot camp? What are they determined to do? 
Do they keep acknowledging you because you are independent and you're acting separately from the rest of the group? Absolutely not. They're determined to get you to function in relationship to the commander, to that voice, and with those who are around you. God is determined. The great desire for each of us is often, we know it, it's often to be independent. I have my own mind, I have my own thoughts, and I want to express myself independently. God will let you be diverse. He will not let you be independent. Dependence on him, our need to take from him, will create interdependence with others. This is where we're headed. In in interdependence, we give. In, in, In dependence, we take. In interdependence, we give. Our dependence on him is the only thing that lets us live successfully in interdependent relationships. Why? Because it gives us something to give. I cannot give you what I don't have for myself. If I don't take from God, I won't have anything to give you. If I don't take the love of God, I won't have the love of God to give my wife. If I don't take from the faith of God, I won't have the faith of God to express to you. That which creates this interdependent relationship where we give to one another is absolutely necessary that we first learn how to take from God. We receive so that we can give. Makes perfect sense. What happens when we start trying to give ourselves away? We get exhausted frustrated, and we walk away. We see it happen over and over and over. Warriors, strangely, are people of great joy. You find, you find somebody that's joyful, you probably found somebody ready for battle. You can tell them because it's very difficult to find them without joy being present. It's not pretend, pretense, or fake. Warriors have completely settled this question that God loves them. You will not go into battle if you don't know that. You won't go into battle if you don't know that God loves you completely. You won't go into battle because you won't believe that you're in God's favor. You won't believe that that love that he shows you is what's compelling him to care for you as well. You will not go into battle if you haven't settled that God loves you completely. The last one, warriors have real identity. They know who they are and they know who is in them. I shared with the lady on on the phone this week, going through a very difficult, troubling time in her life. And she was hoping that the blessing would come through all the difficulty. And I encouraged her to recognize that the blessing had already come. Because what would give her the strength to stand against those things that were coming against her was not knowing what to do. It was coming to the recognition that God was trying to tell her who she is. We don't fight back well knowing what to do. We fight back well knowing who we are. They called Jesus the prince of devils. Did it bother him? About 38 times in the New Testament, they came railing against Jesus in one accusation or the other. Several times they called him the prince of devils. Did we ever hear that Jesus had to go off by himself and recover from those statements? Not even once. Why? Because he knew that his father called him the prince of peace. Everything that the accusation that would come, every attempt to attack was coming against something so certain that he knew who he was. And I want to tell you, God has a desire just as he did with David. We read this and know it in 1 Samuel chapter 16. When Samuel came to Jesse, verse 11, are these all of your children? They brought all the kids from the oldest to the youngest and said, there remains yet the youngest and behold, he keeps the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, send and fetch him for we will not sit down till he comes. And he sent and brought him. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Now there's a king in Israel. What did David know going into this battle? What had he just experienced as a young man? What had just happened to him? 
What was the source of this faith? What was the source of this inner reality that was coming up in him? He knew without question that he was who God said he was. He was the king of Israel. Now, he wasn't wearing the crown yet. He didn't have the robe yet. He hadn't moved into the castle yet, the palace yet. None of those things had been given unto him. But David knew what God had spoken and that he could function from the place where he knew he was king. I want to tell you, you will not go into battle until you're certain of who you are in relationship to who he is. It won't happen. You have to know who you are. He was very present in the moment and he knew he was anointed king. He was very present in the moment when he was going into battle and he knew, he knew that he was the king of Israel. We as warriors can't stand in the face of trouble or pressure or stress if we are uncertain who we are. We're more uncertain if we don't know who he is. Warriors stand in their identity. You can accuse me of many things. You can call me many names, but every one of them is going to die against the reality that God calls me wisdom. That's my name. You can say anything. You can accuse me of one thing or the other, but knowing that allows me to stand even in situations of extreme pressure. But if you don't know who you are, the wind can blow you back and forth, much less the battle. So our only answer is to avoid the battle. If God is raising up warriors and men and women, boys and girls today, he's not doing it as we would expect. I've quoted from a video clip in different sermons in the past. I finally decided that it would probably be better for me to just show you this very short video clip to make this point because it makes this point. How is God preparing us? It makes the point very well. Oh, excuse me. Can I get a refill, please? Coming right up. Excuse me, are you, are you all right? Yeah. No, it's a long story. Well, I like stories. I'm considered a bit of a storyteller myself. My husband, have you heard of New York's Noah? <laughs> the guy who's building the ark. That's him. I love that story. Noah in the ark. You know, a lot of people miss the point of that story. They think it's about God's wrath and anger. They love it when God gets angry. What is the story about then, the Ark? Well, I think it's a love story about believing in each other. You know, the animals showed up in pairs. They stood by each other, side by side, just like Noah and his family. Everybody entered the Ark side by side. But my husband says God told him to do it. What do you do with that? Sounds like an opportunity. Let me ask you something. If someone prays for patience, do you think God gives them patience? Or does he give them the opportunity to be patient? If they prayed for courage, does God give them courage? Or does he give them opportunities to be courageous? If someone prayed for the family to be close, do you think God zaps them with warm, fuzzy feelings? Or does he give them opportunities to love each other? <laughs> well, I gotta run. A lot of people to serve. Enjoy. It teaches the message very well. If you're, if you're praying for patience, do you expect God to give you patience or an opportunity to be patient? If you're praying for courage, do you, do you expect him to give you courage or do you expect him to give you an opportunity to be courageous? If you're praying that your family would be closer 
Do you think he's going to give you warm and fuzzy feelings or is he going to give you an opportunity to love one another? If God is teaching you now endurance as a warrior, because that's what you need, do you expect those answers to come quickly if endurance is the lesson? If he's teaching you faith, do you think the path will be easy? He's not doing it as we expect because the weapons of real power, the weapons of war, the weapons that bring real victory require that it be solely learning and learned from him. Go with me. I'll end with this. Romans 12, verse 18. If it be possible, as much as he lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hungers, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. What is our weapon? It's the goodness of God. It's the love of God. That's what he's given us. I shared again this message several years ago based on an interesting perspective there shared by Graham Cook that I've mentioned many times. The message was based on this question. What if the real problem in this world that lets evil run rampant, this is his quote, what if it's not crime, terrorism? What if it's not abortion? What if it's not poverty? What if it's not drugs? What if the real problem in this country is simply the lack of goodness? Well, I want to tell you, I happen to believe that it is. The weapon that God placed in our hands, the one that says all evil is overcome by this. What's happened? Look around, look, look across America. Look at the shortage of goodness. I want to tell you, there's far more than we can see because the news is making sure that we don't see it. But I want to tell you, if we want to win as warriors, we don't raise our swords. We don't march into battle with accusations. We win with the goodness of God. There's nothing that will change the world faster. The goodness of God. So where has the goodness gone? What if the most important part of a warrior's weapon is that goodness? If we know it and live it, then no one around is safe. No one hurt, no one bitter, no one's hatred, no one's frustration is safe in our presence if we're armed with the goodness of God. No one's bitterness, no one's hurt, no one's frustration has a chance if it encounters the goodness of God that he placed in us, his warriors. What's God taking you through right now? What if it's preparation for war? What if he's trying to teach you something and you're too stubborn to understand it? Why would I say that? Because I know me. I know what it's like for God to be trying to teach me something. And I dig in my heels and I say, no, it's your fault. It's you. It's, you. it's not me. I know the outcome. God will lovingly and patiently make sure that I know that it was neither me nor you. It was him. He wants to make sure that as a warrior, you know that you are armed with all this helmet of salvation, with all that we, we read in Ephesians 6, but none of it will work if it's not preceded by the love of God. I've never seen a life really changed, powerfully, dynamically changed, if it didn't begin with the love of God. There is no weapon like it. What's God calling us to this morning? The thought of being a warrior is troubling to some. The thought of being good is not so much. What's God calling you to? The goodness he placed in you, he's asking you to freely give away. Remember what we said last week? 
He will never expect anything from you that he doesn't first give to you. So what do we do with the goodness of God that he gave us? We fight with it. We go to war with it. We battle with it. We open our hearts, open our arms, put the smile on our face because of the joy that we feel as warriors. We open our arms and let the people walk in and watch the bitterness, watch the struggles, watch the hatred, watch it fade because it cannot stand in the presence of God's love. It will give us strength. We'll watch people's lives drastically changed because they saw someone, felt someone, understood someone, just shared with them the love of God. That's what he's calling us to. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Change the world. Lord, we ask you in these moments, in the closing moments of this service, I know, Lord, that that this is a call to war. It does seem like in our world around us that evil is winning. We know it's not, but, but it, it seems that way. We seem to be losing ground, and we do know that the church has lost her way. She desperately needs to find it again very soon. But Lord, it starts with us one at a time, finding our way, recognizing that it doesn't take much for me to be kind. It doesn't take much for me to be good. I simply have to let the goodness that you gave me overflow out of me and watch it change and touch others. There's those who are here this morning, Lord, that need to experience that care and the kindness and the love of God. And I pray, Lord, that even now it begins to overflow as you move us out of our seats into the aisles, if it's what you prompt us to do, to give a word of encouragement or guidance or instruction or help. But Lord, more especially as we leave this building and in the coming week, that wherever we are, in any store or any classroom, anywhere, that we recognize that the love of God and the goodness of God, your very nature is expressed in the simplest and smallest ways. And we watch it change lives in great amazement. Thank you, Lord, that you bring this story to such a full circle that it's always been about, it will always be about the love of God. And let us share it freely. Change our hearts, change our minds, change our neighborhoods, our communities, and our nation. Not with words of hate, but with acts of kindness and goodness. Let us go to war today using that which you've given us in Jesus' name. What Randy is saying is so true. I fight against God a lot of times in my weakness and say, God, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not a teacher, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a whatever. And he's been working on me in the last few years over this. While we were in Tahatchee this last time, we stayed in a little trailer outside the church. And so we were there on the grounds. He worked on me in so many ways. The night before... I had laid in bed. I could not sleep at all. And it was a weird not sleep. It was a wide awake. And so I began to pray, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed all night. And I was like, Lord, okay, there's something going to happen while we're here. Use me. I want to be used. I want to put all that stuff that I say I can't do behind me and live in the moment and share your love and do what you want me to do. So next day... That we happened to be around the church. It was odd. This lady that had come in with the pastor and his son, they were delivering wood, and she came out to them. 
she had been drinking. She was inebriated. He started talking to her, and she was hungry. She was she had no wood, and so they brought her to church. He's talking to her on the way, but he's realizing she's inebriated. He's realizing this is not for him, and he's like, "Okay, Lord, who?" And he asked, and my name came up. Now I would have said, "Why?" <laughs> But when Tim came and got me, and I went out there, and he said, Angela, this is Jennifer, and I want you to talk to her. Uh, She's come in, and she needs to share with someone. She needs to talk to someone, and I'm going to take you back here to my office. And I'm panicking a little bit inside myself, going, Lord, don't put me alone in that room with that lady. I don't know what to say. So I start praying again, and we get back there, and there's a lady back there preparing for the women's Bible study. And I said, yes, Lord, thank you. She's here this is the answer to my prayer. She's going to be here. And she starts packing up. I'm like, no, 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 you need to stay. That's fine. Stay. Because I'm thinking, she'll know what to say. This other lady started talking a little bit. I'm I'm an alcoholic. I've been drinking. I've drank this much, you know, stuff like that. And And all of a sudden, these words just started tumbling out of me. And things that Mr. Randy has been sharing that God has shared with him that I'm going, wow, you were paying attention. (laughs) We're pouring out of me with such authority. And it wasn't me because I said nothing there. I promise you, none of that was me. And I loved on her. And in the midst of this, man, she was ready to go. She was ready to pray in that. And I was almost there. I had my hand on her heart and God said no she's not ready and so I had to stop right there so I said okay God and I told her I said you know I, I want you to, to stay with us I want to feed you would you stay and l- come out here and let us feed you because we'd had lunch and we had food there and she said I'm so hungry I'm hungry I haven't eaten in days okay I want you to come I want you to drink water I said you're drunk and I said, I, I realize this, and I don't want you to do something that you're not prepared for. Deep in my heart, I wanted to, and God said, no, it's not time yet. We had a women's Bible study. We sat beside each other, and man, all the songs were like just for her. She just cried and wept. There was testimony shared. Jamie was there. And I told her, I know that's why you were here. I know that's why you're called on this trip. I know this was exactly the moment that God wanted you to be here for. And she shared, and the things that she was able to share, to say, I've been there, I've been here, I've done this, I've done that. But by the grace of God, I am there no longer. This lady needed to hear, and it was amazing. You know, we drove her home later. We prayed with her. I I encouraged and I said, you need to come back and be with God's people. But I had to leave her, and she stays on my heart. In all this, I'm just saying what Randy has said. It's it's not me. I never feel adequate. But God had placed everything that I needed inside of me. And when it was time, and when he called me forward and said, I need you to go to battle for me, It was there. I pray this morning that the hearts of the warriors rise up. The world needs the goodness that God has placed in you. And you may think it's very small. That's okay. You only have to give according to the measure God has given you. He will never expect you to give anything that he hasn't given to you first. He'll never call you to anything that he hasn't provided 
first. Let the warriors rise in all kindness. Lord, we thank you this morning that you've spoken to the hearts of warriors, to each one of us here, called to the battle in big and small ways. And we thank you, Lord, this morning. Thank you. This is for the hearts and, the, and for the lives that understand this and the many that will. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. <laughs>